Welcome everyone to episode number two of our series YSDA. to be joined by a friend and a colleague, Daniel Quezada. That's right, yes. I pronounced it right. And, uh, you know, we've been working together with church projects, different church projects over the, the few years we've spent together. And I thought to myself, why not this one, right? And so here you are. Thank you so much for joining me on this, uh, on this episode. Mm-hmm. And so welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's nice to be here. Right. In actual in actuality, you should be the one welcoming me because we're filming this at your place. But that is true. Well, this one works too. So in the last episode, we you know spoke about the meaning of being Seventh Day Adventist, and we did touch on the summary of why we are Seventh Day Adventist. But today, we want to break down the first part, which is Seventh Day. Mm. Seventh Day, because yes. we believe in the Seventh Day Sabbath. And so that's what we want to dive deep into. And I just want to ask you, Daniel, for those who may not know the Sabbath, what is the Sabbath? The Sabbath? Mm. Well, I mean, when it comes to the Bible, you'll hear the word the Sabbath quite a lot. Right. Right. And uh, in terms of what that means, it's, it's the holy day of rest. Right. Right. Uh, we had six days in which mm-hmm. the earth was created and everything in them. But on the seventh day... God rested from his work mm. and he blessed it and sanctified it and rested on that day. Right. Right. So then that day he inherited it to us, basically. Mm. And he, he shared that day with us and showed us how to basically um, worship on it. Yeah. And, uh, and we use that day to worship God as a remembrance for what he did. Amen. That's that's a good summary of the Sabbath. So it's a day of rest and a day of worship, a day of communion with God. And uh, let me just read something from the, uh, you know, the official. Let me read something mm-hmm. from the official uh, Seventh-day Adventist beliefs about the Sabbath. And it says, The gracious creator, after the six days of creation, rested on the seventh day, and instituted the Sabbath for all people as a memorial, you're mentioning Mm. about that, of creation. The fourth commandment of God's unchangeable law requires the observance of this seventh-day Sabbath as the day of rest, something you mentioned as well, worship and ministry in harmony with the teaching and practice of Jesus. So this is not something we make up, right? It's based on what Jesus taught and what he practiced. That's right. And he is the Lord of the Sabbath as well. So the Sabbath is this delightful day of communion with God and with one another. It's a symbol of our redemption in Christ, a token of our allegiance, and a foretaste of our eternal future in God's kingdom. And he continues to say that the Sabbath is God's special, sorry, the Sabbath is God's perpetual sign of his eternal covenant between him and his people. Joyful observance of this holy time from evening to evening, sunset to sunset, is a celebration of God's creative and redemptive act. 
and there's some verses where we get all these, uh, you know, uh, teachings from. I'll put them on the screen so that you, you can go ahead and uh, read them and also just for reference. But in a nutshell, that's what we believe about the Sabbath. It's a day of rest. It's a day of worshiping God. But, uh, and maybe just to summarize, just to summarize, if we go to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, I think that's the first time we hear about the Sabbath, right? Mm. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, 2, and 3. Do you want to read that for us? Sure. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. Mm. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. Amen. That's amazing. And, you know, especially focusing on verse 3, it kind of gives the summary of what God did. Do you want to highlight those things for us? What are the three main things that make the Sabbath special? Mm. Well, for one, it says here that he blessed that seventh day and also he sanctified it. Mm. Um, and then he rested from all his work. That's amazing. Three things, right? So he, he rests, he blesses the day and sanctifies the day. And I think this is important because not every other day has these three features, mm -hmm. if you like. Mm -hmm. Only the seventh day. And so what we want to do is find out which day is the seventh day, because obviously this day is important. It's, yeah. it's set aside for holy use, which is what sanctify means. It's blessed. So how do we know which day is the seventh day now? Well, there are a few clues that we can look at, mm -hmm. and I'm sure we'll look at uh, something in the Bible as well. Right. Uh, but one of the top things that I can see that we can find out which day is the Sabbath mm -hmm. is looking at historical language. Okay. Right? Mm. Um, for example, I speak Spanish, mm -hmm. and in my language, there is no other word for Saturday mm -hmm. but sábado. Okay, that's cool. Now, in English, we have Sabbath and Saturday. Yeah. But in Spanish and in many other languages, mm. Sabado is the only word you can use for that seventh day yeah. Sabbath. Right? Now, that's one. Mm -hmm. Two, we also have, um, you know, in the Old Testament, we see that God's people kept the Sabbath. That's right. right? And we have remnants of those people to this very day, mm. uh, the Jewish religion, right. who to this very day worship on the Sabbath, which we know is Saturday. Right. Right. So now these are external things. Right? right, right. But now we can also look at the internal things in the Bible, right? Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, in the, New, in the Old Testament, it is assumed what day is the Sabbath. They, they all knew. They already know. They already know. <laughs> yeah. But in the New Testament, we can tell uh, by the structure of the week and mm -hmm. what happened, uh, we can figure out which day was the actual seventh day. That's a good point you mentioned. I, I never thought about it until now. But even in my language, Kirundi, mm -hmm. uh, Sabbath is Isabato, mm. which kind of sounds the same thing as Sabbath, yeah, right? Exactly. And it, it falls on, on Saturday. So which day is the uh, seventh day or Sabbath? 
and uh, you know it's actually funny because if you go to the dictionary mm-hmm. not the modern ones yes. <laughs> but the one of those old dictionaries and you ask what is the uh, seventh day they tell you it's saturday yes but today we want to see from scripture which day is the you know seventh day so let's go to matthew chapter 27 and in matthew 20 actually sorry matthew 28 okay matthew 28 and I love how it begins. It says, in the end of the Sabbath. So this is the end of the Sabbath, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week. Yeah. Came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And the rest is history. Uh, the stone was rolled away. Jesus resurrected. Yes. And we all know that Jesus resurrected on the first day of the week. Mm-hmm. Even from this verse, we gather that. So it, it, it's very clear here that, you know, what comes after the Sabbath is the first day of the week. Yes. So which day comes after Sunday, the resurrection day? Which day comes before, I should say? Uh, well, Saturday comes before Saturday. the resurrection day. So here you see that from Scripture, you can prove, um, the Scripture prove rather that, you know, Saturday is the Sabbath. And even even from, you know, like you said, language, even from how people have lived, cultures also mm-hmm. express that, you know, the Sabbath is, you know, uh, Saturday. And that's very important because uh, the majority of the world doesn't, uh, doesn't think that way. Most mm-hmm. people don't keep the Sabbath yeah. as, you know, Saturday, but they keep Sunday instead. And it's interesting because the cultural aspect actually makes a big difference mm-hmm. to identify which one is the seventh day of the week. Mm. And that is the fact that when Jesus died, it was the preparation day. Yeah. Right? So the Sabbath was nearing. Mm. And uh, it, it said that uh, when they were preparing the spices, I think it was too late. Mm. So it seems that they had to put off that work yeah. until they would return on the first day of the week, which would be after the, mm. the Jewish Sabbath, right? Yeah. So when it's talking about the preparation day, uh, in Jewish culture, that's mm-hmm. Friday night. That's right. Right. So this is where the Jewish culture part comes in handy because you can see from their historical records that mm-hmm. that Friday is deemed the preparation day. Right. So you just do the math, right? So which day is between the preparation day and the resurrection day? Saturday. It's only Saturday, right? Yeah. So uh, there you go. That's a clear proof. And there's other references, like you mentioned. We'll put them on the screen so you can see them. But it's, it's interesting that in, in light of all these things, majority of the, of the Christian world chooses to do something else. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting. But anyways, we are here to tell you why we are Seventh-day Adventists, and this is one of the reasons why we are Seventh-day Adventists, because the Bible clearly states which day is the Sabbath day and which day we should you know keep as the Sabbath day. Now, one of the, I think, the biggest reasons why we keep the Sabbath is because it's in the Ten Commandments. Yes. Let's go there. It's uh, found in um, um, Exodus. Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 8 to 11. It's one of the longest commandments. Hmm. <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> wonder why. Wonder why. <laughs> Maybe the first word will tell us. Right. Let's go find out what it says. You're ready there? You can read it, actually. Okay. All right. It says there, Remember 
the Sabbath day, mm. to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Mm, interesting. It's it's a, it's a paragraph. Yeah. <laughs> if you think about it, and you know, God is the greatest communicator of all time. He could have, you know, made it in a single sentence, but why does He take the time to expound and explain it this way? And it's it's amazing how people just ignore that. It's mm -hmm. really amazing. But anyways, that's one of the reasons why we believe the Sabbath. Now, obviously, the biggest objection to this is, you know, the law was done away with. What's mm. your response to that? Well, uh, my response to that is, where does the Bible say that? Mm, uh, do, you know, that. do you know the verse that is quoted for that? So the verse is found in Colossians 2.14. Colossians okay. 2.14. Should I read that or you want to sure. read it? Let's, let's read it. It says here, Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Mm. You know, there's a famous song, uh, Nailed to the Cross, right? Mm -hmm. They're nailed to the cross. They're nailed to the cross. And I think that song was referring to, you know, the sins, not necessarily the law, right? But he, I think people confuse the two to think that Jesus nailed the law to the cross. In effect, there is one law that was nailed to the cross, and right. that was the law of the ordinances, right, which is, which is what here. we mention here. Mm. And it notice it says that blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, it's something that was handwritten, mm. right? Now, when we see something that's handwritten, we're talking about somebody with their pen writing it down, mm. okay? And we know that the... Ten Commandments in the Bible mm. were not handwritten on a paper. No. No. They were written by God's own finger. That's right. Right? In fact, it's interesting that the only part of the Bible that was written by God himself <laughs> is the one that's being contested. Yeah, that's, the, that's how the devil works, right? He wants to fight whatever God does. Now, if there's any question that this is what this actually means, mm. we'll have to go to the Old Testament to find out if we can find a similar passage to this one mm -hmm. that shows us that this handwriting that we're speaking of is not actually the Ten Commandments, but the law that Moses gave to the Jewish nation, you can say. Okay. Right. And uh, I think it's found in Deuteronomy 31, 26. And uh, it says, take this book of the law and put it in the side of the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be there for witness against thee. And this is very important because it's put on the side. Mm -hmm. While the real Ten Commandments are inside the ark, that's right, covered with the mercy seat. So that's right. That's a clear distinction right there. Yes, and and it really shows us there. It's it's a witness against them, and that's mm. and that's the same wording that is used in Colossians. Yeah. Right where it's talking about what was nailed on the cross, mm -hmm. was that that was a witness against them. Mm -hmm. 
That's that's very important. That's a clear distinction. So you have the ceremonial law, which mm-hmm. was done away with, but you have now the the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, that's the right. law that God Himself gave to His people, which is eternal, like Himself. Yes, and there is many ways we can know that this law is eternal, mm-hmm. right? And you know, a lot of people say that the Ten Commandments were given to the Jewish nation, mm. right? But um, was there a Jewish nation established in the times of Joseph, for example? No. No, right? It had not become a nation just yet. Right. And yet, what did Joseph say in response to when Potiphar's wife tried to get him to lay with her? I think he said, how can I sin against God? How well, can I do this great evil against God? But how did he know that was a sin against God if the Ten Commandments were not present yet? There must have been the Ten Commandments at that time. That's the only conclusion. One thing that I know from history is, mm-hmm. is that not everything in history was written down. <laughs> right. Right? Mm-hmm. I think writing was introduced a lot later. A lot of things were passed down by mm-hmm. stories. Right? Yeah. So there may have not been a need to write the law down as it was passed down from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. But at some point, I believe people began to forget, right? Right, And things right. needed to be written down mm. as our memories were sparse. And, you know, I, I think the true gospel would be lost. Yeah. I think that's the reason why God had to give us a Bible anyways, because mm-hmm. we'd forget. Yeah. Our minds slowly have, you know, lost the capacity to hold things over time. Now, there are many different churches around the world well, not many, but a couple of churches that keep Sabbath as well. You have Seventh-day Baptists, Church of God, Sabbatarian Adventists, Sabbatarian Pentecostalists, Sabbatarian British, British Israelites, and obviously G- the Jewish people as well. So what's so unique about SDA in terms of the Sabbath? How are we different? Mm. You know, I can't really attest for... Um, uniqueness in the sense of like how different we keep it versus the the others because Mm. i don't know how they keep their sabbath per Mm. se right Mm. um but for us i believe the sabbath is what it represents Mm. the meaning behind it right it's it's not just a day that we keep by the letter of the law okay let's uh not do anything on the sabbath right but it's the meaning behind that Mm. can you just imagine that the sabbath day was something that the creator, the God of the whole universe, mm. whose domain is spanning, again, the whole universe. Right. And he picks one day to say, I'm mm. going to spend this day with these people. Wow. He takes time out of his busy schedule, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. I mean, how, how would that feel to know that your creator mm. has designated a day to spend with you. How much meaning would be behind that? Wow. And I think that's the meaning that as Adventists, we we attempt to grasp. Right. And, it, and it's something that's so profound that, you know, we, we can attempt to grasp it. But, you know, yeah. So I think really that's the, what, what I think as Adventists, that's the difference right there is, is mm. that we see a deeper meaning other than just a, a day where we just sit down and relax. And there's more than just sitting down and relaxing that day. I love that. Yeah, I agree with you. So there's so much to the Sabbath than just a day. 
like we tried, you know, prove Saturday, but it's mm -hmm. more than just Saturday, right? Yes. And uh, there's a few quotes I want to read here from a book by um, a guy called Arthur W. Spaulding. I hope I pronounced that right. Mm -hmm. He speaks about what does the Sabbath mean? And he, he dedicates, you know, a few chapters on that. And here's what he says. He says, you will note that Sabbath in its meaning goes behind the idea of time. It is a state, an experience. Mm. Then he says, you may rest, sabbatize upon a day, but the day is not the rest. It is the rest day. It's like the day of resting. But that rest is something deeper than just that day as well. And he says here, to be sure, by a rhetorical figure of speech, which is called metonymy, in which a thing is called by the name of a thing related to it, the term Sabbath is often used for Sabbath day. Like we just use it interchangeably. When I say Sabbath and Sabbath day, it's like the same thing, but it's actually different. Because Sabbath means rest, yeah. but Sabbath day means day of rest. Mm. And then he says, um, this is all right if we understand the figure, but unless we comprehend the prime distinction between Sabbath and Sabbath day, we are liable to be led into a religious legalism, which is not Christian. And so in our supposed Sabbath keeping, we should not be, uh, we should not be Christian at all and therefore not be Sabbath keepers. And, you know, he, he uses the example of the Jewish people. They technically kept the Sabbath. Yes. But Jesus said, you don't even know the scriptures, nor the power of God, right? So how can that be? And that's because Sabbath goes beyond time or beyond a day. Sabbath is about rest. And who is that rest? Where do we find that rest? We find this rest exemplified or, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, talked about in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Mm, this is Jesus. That's right. Jesus is the rest. He says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Yes, yes. So that's very important that when the Seventh-day Adventist understanding of Sabbath is not this legalistic thing of, you know, keeping a day, but it's understanding what that day means. And we know that day means, you know, that day has the Sabbath, which is Jesus Christ, the rest. And when Jesus is calling all these people, come unto me, what does Jesus offer to them? He offers them rest. Right. That's right. He does offer them rest, <laughs> right? Uh, but he tells them, but even though he offers them rest, he mm. says, take this yoke upon I love me. that. <laughs> right? How is that that we're taking on his yoke yeah. and yet... We are getting rest. Mm, it's interesting. So this rest goes beyond even physical rest then. Because he says, come unto me, I'll give you rest. But then he gives them a yoke, an easier yoke, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the rest is more than just physical rest. I think the real rest that the world is looking for, that the world needs, is rest from sin. And, and so Jesus Christ offers us forgiveness. And that becomes the true meaning of the Sabbath. And this makes sense when we look at, you know, ex, uh, Ezekiel 20, uh, 12, where God says, Moreover, I give them my Sabbath, that uh, it may be a sign between me and them that I'm the one that sanctifies them. 
And you know what God does with us is he finds us in our sinfulness, right? And then he forgives us and he sanctifies us. He takes us from one state to another. And the ability to do that, obviously forgiveness is the first step in that, where mm -hmm. he gives us forgiveness. And by his grace, we can now become his children. And I think that's what rest means. Restoration, right? Mm. <laughs> it's the deeper meaning of rest. Interesting. Yeah. So after all this, how, what do you think will be the, you know, the, the meaning of Sabbath if it's not just a day? Well, to me, when I look at the Sabbath and all these things factored in, yeah. I see the Sabbath as something relational. Mm. A day where he seeks us, he calls us, yeah. and he reminds us of what that relationship between us is, right? Mm. Uh, you know... He says the Sabbath is a sign between us and him. Right. Right? You know, when you get married, for example, you have mm. an anniversary date. Yeah. You can't just choose any date. It's, it's that date. <laughs> it's set. That it's set, right? I love that. And on that date, what do many people who are married do? They, they remember mm. that day that they made that commitment to one another. And it's usually a day that is of rejoicing. Right. Right? Mm. Um, and... Despite all that maybe that couple has gone through the year, mm. that day is just a reminder of how far they've gone. Yeah. You know, all the challenges, what they've gone through. Mm. Right. But the Bible also says the Sabbath is the day that God sanctifies us. Mm. Right. And I think that's part of the restoration because it's not just a physical restoration. It's, it's a mental and spiritual restoration mm. that god offers it's a full healing yeah you know and during the week there's so many things and burdens that we have mm. and i think that's why god has to say remember the sabbath <laughs> yeah because we during our six days we're so much into our own labor it's easy to forget it's easy to forget but we burden ourselves so mm. much our yoke is harder than the yoke that jesus offers us that's so true Wow. And I love that because, you know, talking about rest, what does it mean? I love what it says in the book of Hebrews, right? I think it's Hebrews chapter 4. And, you know, there it says the, the children of Israel. Interesting. This is interesting. You know, when we quote, Move, I give them my Sabbath that they, it may be a sign between me and them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know what the next verse says? What does it say? It says, but they rebelled against me. Mm. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they rebelled against me. And I'm reminded of that because Hebrews 4 kind of repeats that story and tells us, you know, uh, you know, enter into the rest. Don't be like the Israelites. You know, they mm -hmm. were given rest, but they did not enter into the rest. Okay. And that's another proof that the rest is deeper than just a day. Because yes. Israelites kept a day, but the, the writer of Hebrews says they did not enter into the rest. Yes. And so what is that rest? So I think it's found in Hebrews chapter 4. If I read from verse 1 going down, it says, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise... In fact, let me start from chapter 3, verse 16 going down. Okay. And there it says, For some, when they heard, did provoke. Howbeit, not all that came out of Egypt by Moses... But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? Verse 18 of chapter 3. 
And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Now going to chapter 4 verse 1, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left as of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Mm. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith. Mm. And that word faith is important because that's the opposite of unbelief, right? Um, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into the rest, as he said. As I have sown in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. And then I love verse 4, which says, For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. Now watch this. Seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein, and they, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. And then verse 7, again, he limits a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? There remains, therefore, a rest to the people of God. Mm. For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath seized from his own works as God did from his. And this is the point I want us to focus on. He that enters into the rest must seize from his works as God sees from his. Mm. Now, obviously, the work that you seize when you believe in Jesus Christ is, you know, the life of sin. You stop all that, right? But even at a, at a deeper level, you also stop from your own works yes. of trying to save yourself because you realize that the only qualification of entering into the rest is not works. No. It's faith. It's believing God, right? And and that's a very important uh for us, you know, a Seventh-day Adventist, because we understand that keeping the Sabbath is not legalism, right? Because the Sabbath is the very sign that, you know, counteracts legalism, because yeah. it's saying, hey, I'm the one that sanctifies you, not you yourself. And you, by keeping this day, you pledge allegiance to that. You show that you believe that I, the one who created six days and rested, I can also create in you a clean heart. Just the same way I did creation, I can recreate a new heart within you. And so I, to me, the Sabbath is a sign of righteousness by faith, that I am saved not because of something that I did, but because of what God can do. Because before I enter, I cease from all my works. And I think that's what, when we capture that completely, mm. why the Sabbath can also be a restful day right say, because uh sometimes we can get tired mm. not because of the physical things we did wow but because of our emotional or mm. mental state that's right and nowadays 
one of the biggest things that we find in this world is anxiety. Mm. Yes. People have much anxiety, stress. Mm. And when it comes to the spiritual matters, mm. what better than to remember and commemorate a day mm. in which God says, it's not about what you do. It's about it's what, what I, do. I am doing. Mm. Right? And so commemorating that, just just imagine just reminding yourself that statement once a week for the rest of your life. Mm. Just that. Uh, I think that's something that eventually it's going to kick in right. where it's not going to be just on your mind once a week. It's, it's, it's going to be continually in your head that mm. you don't need to be anxious for anything. Right. But God will provide mm. all your necessities. Yes. I mean, talking about the Sabbath is very important, you know. It, you know, resets everything. It, it makes you, you know, realize that just resting in God's care, that God is the one that, you know, is controlling everything. So the Sabbath is definitely important beyond the scriptural, you know, requirements, let's say. Mm -hmm. The Sabbath has benefits that are very visible, even to someone, let's say, who's not religious. That's true. And so that's something that's very interesting. Well, let's maybe kind of like, transition a little bit into some scary stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Why we believe in the Sabbath. Um, I think the Sabbath will become very important in the last days. You know, some apocalyptic stuff we're going to go into right now. In the book of Revelation chapter 13, the Bible seems to outline that, you know, in the last day, the Sabbath will become a very big issue. So much so that it will become the test of loyalty to God. Yes. And and why would God pick the Sabbath as the sign of loyalty and not every other, any other command? Obviously, all the commandments are a sign of loyalty, but why specifically the Sabbath? Well, that's something you can ask God about. <laughs> <laughs> but what we can do right now is just outline what the scriptures say. So let me see if we can do this in, in a short time. So Revelation chapter 13 talks about two beasts, right? Yes. The first beast rises out of the sea, as you can see on the screen, and it has, you know, ten horns and seven heads. And this beast receives power and authority and seat from the devil himself. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it persecutes the saints and all those things. But shortly after that, we are told of another beast, this beast is like different. It's like the opposite of the first beast because it's it rises out of a land, out of the earth, let's say. Yes, out of the earth. Yeah. And it has two horns. It's lamb-like. Very gentle, you would say. Yeah. But then obviously the Bible now says that it speaks like a dragon at That's some right. point. So we see this second beast changing. Now, this second beast, working together with the first beast, introduces a system of worship and uh, forces everyone, if you read from verse 15, speaking of the, um, the second beast, it says, and he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Verse 16 and he, causeth, and he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand and in their foreheads. 
and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Then he says his wisdom. If you want to know who is this uh, beast, uh, he has a number and then it's a number of a man and that number is 600, uh, three score and six or 666, 666. Mm -hmm. So, that's the story. And there's many different interpretations as to, you know, who is the first beast, who is the second beast. Well, here in a nutshell, we are told that, you know, if you don't have the mark of the beast, you will be alienated from society. You will not be able to buy or sell. That's and right. eventually, there's a good chance that you'll be killed, right? Now, historically, if you do a consistent Bible study, it leads to the understanding that the first beast mentioned here is... Uh, you know, the papacy, right? Yeah, the and the second, the, the papal power, that's right. And the second beast is uh, the United States of America, right? And this is not, again, something we come up as Seventh-day Adventists. It's something that the reformers have believed to be true. Yeah. And uh, any consistent Bible study will arrive at that conclusion. So given that the purple power is the first beast, then what is the mark of the beast? Because a beast means a kingdom in Bible prophecy, according to Daniel 7. And, and so what is the mark of the beast in this, in this sense? What is the mark of the, of the purple power? And I don't think that's a question we have to answer necessarily because the, the, the purple power is already there to do that for us, that's right? right. That's so we right. just have to ask them, what is your mark? That's right. And for the most part, uh, it is in their own writings, and you can quote them saying right. uh, how Sunday worship is their mark of authority. Right. Because they are the ones that claim that they have transferred the solemnity yes. of the Sabbath, seventh-day Sabbath, from Saturday to Sunday. To Sunday. Yeah. Now, they themselves... Uh, also acknowledge that there is no scriptural reference mm. for this, but it is through their power. Mm. And that is why they say that this is their mark, right? Yes. Anybody who follows that is really their sons or daughters. Yeah. In per, per se, right? Mm. It's, it's very interesting because even during the Reformation, you know, Martin Luther was, you know, a reformer as well. I think there was this council that they did and the, the papal power presented and said, you guys are not true Protestants because mm. you, keep this, you keep Sunday. And we made up Sunday. That's right. And they didn't have any response to that. They didn't. And I don't think Martin Luther liked that at all. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, there was still a lot of truth to be learned, mm. I believe. And, and that's the thing. There's always truth to be learned. Uh, nobody knows everything, right? And... Looking at the Reformation, even until now, it has been a process of learning and learning. But the funny thing is, some people choose which grade they want to stay at, I suppose. Mm, I guess you don't so. want to learn more, right? Because yeah. there's always more. Even throughout eternity, there's so much that we'll still be learning. And so it's always good to have an open mind, especially when it comes to the scriptures. True. And not just an open mind, but humbleness too. Right. Because sometimes we have learned a few things, mm. but it touches a certain area of our heart that 
we have a struggle of letting go. Yeah. Right. It touches that cord there. And, mm. and I believe sometimes mm. it may take time for us to accept certain things, not because we believe that they were wrong or anything, but because mm. we struggle with that particular truth. That's right. That's right. Anyway, so that's the mark of the beast as shown in Revelation chapter 13. So the mark of the beast is enforced Sunday worship. Mm-hmm. So according to Bible prophecy, there'll be a time when, you know, uh, the first beast and the second beast will work together to enforce a Sunday worship by law. And if you don't, you know, follow that, then you will be, you know, you won't be able to buy or sell. You'll be alienated from society. Yeah, exactly. Do you think it's easy to do that uh, in this 21st century modern world? Oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely. You know, um, I think a lot of people would be skeptical at first when they read this, that yeah. that could ever be possible. Uh, many may have pointed to just how much knowledge and great intellect we have mm. and how far we've we've come from the past. Yeah. But... I think if anything that COVID has shown us <laughs> is, is that fear can throw away anything that we have learned or thought of. You know, mm. fear can drive us to accept anything. That's right. You know, and as we can see that if we can enforce a mandate, mm. for example, for something like a vaccine, mm. which has been controversial, right? then, you know... A lot of people think it's a good thing. Great. Let's not talk about that. Mm. That's not why we're here. But what I'm talking about is the act that that became a possibility. Right. To the point where I know that I have had colleagues who no longer have a job mm. because they chose not to, to take that. Right. Mm. So if something like that can be done, then that is just a sign of things to come. That's right. You know, because that is an authority flexing a power. Mm. And it's a test. It's yeah. a test to see what people can get away with. And so I believe that if that can be done, mm-hmm. then it can be done in the future. Right. A second thing is, is that in this day and age, the freedom that we also have mm-hmm. comes from our currency. Mm. Right? Okay? The ability to hold cash right. and to do it whatever you want is your freedom. Mm. The moment you cannot have a physical cash in your hands... <laughs> Yeah. And it must be placed in the bank or anything like that. Your mm. freedom has been lost. In some because sense. at any point in time, a law can be enforced to block you from accessing your wow. own money. That's scary. Right? And one thing that we can see right now, especially with this whole pandemic thing, mm. is, is that a new monetary e- economic system is mm. being tried to be pushed through. And mm. with it, I believe the loss of currency will be a part of which will then give more power mm. to governments, right? To be able to do something like the Bible just says right now. Wow. So it looks like this is very possible given our current condition. And it's also good to realize that this, this enforced Sunday worship or Mark of the Beast mm-hmm. doesn't happen like a bad thing per se. No. Because, you know... The Bible say that the the whole world wandered after the beast. That's right. So, this beast, the first beast, has you know this type of charisma, and, and we see that happening in our world today. How is the Pope treated today, or the office of Pope, let's say? How is it treated today? People treat it with so much, you know, significance, and he's often invited to meetings that have to do with 
you know, where the world is heading to, mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know, things like climate change and all these things. He's a respected person. Well, I believe it is the only religion as well mm. that has embassies in mm. countries. Interesting. I don't think there's any other religious power that has embassies. Interesting. So it is, in a way, a political power as well. And that's a very interesting topic, maybe for another day. But, um, you know, when church and state unite, that's something that God never, you know, prescribed for us. No. Because he says, you know, when Jesus was tempted about, you know, taxes and all that, he says, give to Caesar what's Caesar and give to, to God what's God's. And I find that today we cross the line. That's true. And furthermore, we have the example that Jesus gave us, mm -hmm. right? We have two examples. One, where the Samaritans did not pay attention to him. What did the disciples want to do? Bring fire from heaven. And burn them, right. And burn them. And, you know, Jesus mm -hmm. basically said, be careful what spirit that, that, mm -hmm. that is, right? Mm -hmm. So there you see that God isn't a God of force, but he right. gives the ability to people to have choice. The second one is, is that when he commanded his disciples to go out two by two and they go to a city mm -hmm. that does not accept them, that, you know, this should just brush off right. their, their feet, right? And, and then, you know, move on mm -hmm. to somewhere another else, city. another yeah. city, right? So it wasn't something that they were supposed to keep in their minds that these people rejected them, right? Because they didn't reject them, they rejected God, mm -hmm. right? And so therefore, they have the right to do that, though, because God gave them that right to do yeah. that. And we are not to enforce anything against them simply because they disagree with us i think that you know speaks to the heart of who god is and why he hates let's say church and state uniting mm -hmm. and it's interesting because uh you know i think revelation 19 speaks about that it says that the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her speaking of mystery Babylon, mm -hmm. which again speaks to the same power that we just spoke about. And what that means is there's this uniting of church and state happening. And to God, that's fornication because he never meant for these things to be together. That's right. They have to be separate. And one of the reasons why uh, the, the, you know, Babylon, let's say, is judged is because of that, of crossing the lines and forcing people to, you know, worship contrary to their freedom of choice. Well, so there's a book called Great Controversy. I highly recommend that book for, for you guys. It talks about how the end is going to happen and how the Sabbath is involved in all that. And one of the things it says is that as we see moral decay happening in our world, where people have lost a sense of morality, and also as we see increasing, uh, you know, natural disasters, people will look to a certain type of solution. And yeah. we already see that happening. And what they will realize is that for us to get back to normal, to reset, let's say, we need to have a Sabbath. We need to have a day of rest. And that's how Sunday will be enforced because the people will ask for, for a Sunday Sabbath because it kind of makes sense though, right? you would think that if people go back to church, let's say once every week, yeah. then somehow morality should be, you know, set right, right? That's right. And so that's the logic that people will use. But obviously, as good as it sounds, they'll be looking for a counterfeit Sabbath. Mm -hmm. 
And there's a quote here which kind of talks about that, found in The Great Controversy, page 587. It says, Yet this very class put forth the claim that the fast-spreading corruption is largely attributed to the uh, desecration of the so-called Christian Sabbath. So they will institute Sunday and they'll say, Anybody who uh, anybody who does contrary to that is the reason why we're having all these problems, and that the enforcement of Sunday observance would greatly improve the morals of society. This claim is especially urged in America, where the doctrine of the true Sabbath has been most widely preached. Here, the temperance work, one of the most prominent and important of moral reforms, is often combined with the Sunday movement. And the advocates of the latter represent themselves as laboring to promote the highest interest of society. Oh. And that's something you hear from the, you know, there's some encyclicals that the Pope has written. I think it's called Laudo to See or something like that, where he, he, he says we need to do things for the good of society. And one of the things you present in that, in that document is Sunday. Yes. And he says if we rest on Sunday, Things will be so much better. It will solve, you know, carbon emissions, all those problems. And here's an, another interesting quote. Uh, it says, it will be declared that men are offending God by the violation of the Sunday Sabbath. Mm. That this sin has brought calamities which will not cease until Sunday observance shall be strictly enforced. And that those who present the claims of the fourth commandment which is what we're doing right now. <laughs> yes, that's right. We're in trouble. We're in trouble for sure. That's destroying the reverence for Sunday are troublers of the people, preventing the restoration to divine, divine favor and temporal prosperity. Now, this is very interesting because I think this in, in itself is proof of the Sabbath, why we need Sabbath. Because otherwise, why are these people counterfeiting a different type of Sabbath. Well, it seems like they're taking all the good things about the Sabbath and then transferring those as well to another day. To another day right. right. But the problem is, is that nowhere in the Bible does God sanctify or bless any other day mm. of the week. Yeah, no right? other place. Yeah. There is only one day of the week that he gives that to. Mm -hmm. And unless he is the one that changes that, there's no... Possible. And God doesn't change, though. And he doesn't, but that's the thing. <laughs> to change that is to change who God is. Right. And it's interesting why that, that, that this test will be given um, Sunday worship. And I think there's something I read that God will allow this test to happen, the Sunday law enforcement, to, you know, bring, at, um, it's like bring attention to the main important things about God. Because I think the Sunday enforcement thing going on in itself is an evangelistic campaign because it will force everybody on the planet to make a decision mm -hmm. for God or against God. That's right. And decisions will be made for God or against God. I wonder which decision you will make on that day. Well, you still have today, though, to make the decision, right? Because yes. it says this is the day that the Lord has made. But it says uh, if you hear his voice today... Um, make the decision. So in conclusion, let's look at the positive aspect of the Sabbath, which is God tells us that the Sabbath is a sign. Now, in the last days, 
the Bible makes it clear that, you know, there will be seven last plagues. I think a lot worse than the 10 plagues of Egypt. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But uh, if you read uh, Revelation chapter 7, okay. let's start from verse 1. You want to read that? I think okay, up to verse, verse 4. Okay. And it says there, Revelation chapter 7, verse 1. And after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, mm -hmm. holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed a hundred and forty-four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Interesting, right? So we see that, you know, something terrible is about to happen to this earth, which is the seven last plagues. And um, God says, don't do it yet. Or, and one angel tells the others, don't, don't let the winds, uh, keep holding the winds That's until right. we seal the servants of God. What is the seal of God? Hmm. What is the seal of God? Mm. Well, in order to know what the seal of God is, mm. what does a seal have? A seal. Now we're talking about, you know, let's say a seal in the Roman times, right? Because yes. this book was written in AD 90 or something like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So a seal would contain the, you know, the name of the, of the king. Mm -hmm. It would contain the office of the king. The title, what, the title, yeah. right? And then it also contain the, the jurisdiction of where they, they rule. Yeah, that's right. Their mm -hmm. dominion, basically. Domain, right? yeah. Domain. So where in the Bible could we find those elements that point that that would be the seal of God? Hmm. I think the only place is Exodus 20, uh, verse 8 to 11. That's right. That's the only place we find the seal of God. And it's very interesting because if you took the fourth commandment out of the 10 commandments, anyone cl can claim those commandments. That's right. I can tell you, don't kill, don't steal, but I can't tell you uh, the fourth commandment that, you know, remember the Sabbath day because in six days I created. There's only one person that created in six days and it's God only, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So it does have that seal, but maybe let's break down those parts if you look at uh, Exodus 20 it says therefore in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth the, the sea and all that in them is and rested the seventh day therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it right so we see those three parts of a seal right mm -hmm. there's the name which is what's the name the Lord the Lord and there's the the title he created because he said it says that he made the heavens and the earth mm -hmm. so he's the creator and the 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 jurisdiction is the is the whole world right, right? the heaven and the, the heaven earth. and the earth and all that is within them right it's amazing because the devil cannot claim that so i think that's the seal of god in a sense and obviously um we read in ezekiel 2012 which said 
Moreover, I gave them my Sabbath that it should be a sign between me and them. Mm-hmm. So a sign and a seal can be used interchangeably. And so one of the things that will disting- distinguish God's people in the last days is the Sabbath. And it becomes a test like we saw because, you know, the first beast has a counterfeit. That's right. And so if the mark of the beast is Sunday worship by, by law, let's say, what is uh, the, the mark of God? It's the Sabbath. Sabbath the keeping by right. choice. By choice, exactly. <laughs> not by, by law. Not by law. And, it, and that makes sense even more mm. why the mark of the beast is forced Sunday worship, mm. right? But although it's forced Sunday worship, mm. in a sense, nobody's actually forced to worship on it. You, you know, make the choice. You still have to make that choice mm. because, of course, God's people who are sealed mm. make the choice despite being forced not, not to, to. Right. Right? And so it makes sense that the beast in the end mm-hmm. claims that her mark of authority is Sunday yeah, because that totally parallels the Sabbath being the true seal of God mm. and why the seal of God is being used at the end times as well. Right. Right? You know, don't destroy anything until we're finished sealing those who chose to worship on the Sabbath day mm. as a as being loyal to right. the true creator of this mm-hmm. world, the true Lord of this world. Because when we choose, if we would choose to worship on Sunday, what we're doing is we are giving the authority to somebody else. Right. It's pledging allegiance to someone else, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that, that's very interesting. Well, I think in closing here, there's, there's a challenge we have for you guys. So the challenge is found in Isaiah 56. And if you read from verse 2, going down, it says, Blessed is the man that does this, and the son of man that lays hold on it, that keeps the Sabbath from polluting it and keeps his hand from doing any evil. So again, we see a pronouncement of blessing on those who keep mm. the Sabbath. And so there's, an, there's another verse that talks about a blessing on the Sabbath, and that's Isaiah 58, 13. It says, If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, Honorable, honorable, and shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. So that's a challenge for you. God clearly in these two verses has pronounced a blessing. You know, if, if the Sabbath is blessed and you keep it, what do you expect is going to happen to you? Mm. You'll be blessed as well, Definitely. right? So it's, this is the invitation of Jesus Christ. Come unto me, all ye that are, you know, are tired and are heavy laden, and God will give you rest. And that rest is found in obeying him and listening to his voice. I hope that, you know, you will give your heart to Jesus Christ and allow him to give you the rest that he is ever so willing to give. 
See you in the next episode as we, you know, dive into reasons why we are Seventh-day Adventists. Mm-hmm.